On this episode of the Autumn Winback, I actually talk about how Warren Sapp blasts head coach Josh McDaniels, Hunter Renfro, and head coach Josh McDaniels' relationship is fractured. We talk about the trade deadline, a bunch of Raiders news, injury news as well, the proper way to picket Mark Davis, and what are the Detroit Lions going to do to us? And we love you subscribe, rate, and comment on whatever platform you're listening on. All right, here we go. I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into nightmares. There he is! Caught! Touchdown! Raiders! You're listening to the Autumn Windbags, an audio attack from the Silver and Black. Here are your windbags, RJ Clifford and Juan Soto. Yeah, it is another episode of the Auto Winbags. RJ Clifford, Quan Soto, let's have some fun today. Trying to work up the energy. I uh, we're recording this a little later on Wednesday night than normal, and it wasn't Soto being late this time. It was me. I took the uh, took the family to Disneyland. You had enough sugar. You should be up. So I spent ten hours standing in lines. This is the thing about this is the thing about Disneyland. There's nothing in the world that's more when you're a little kid. You would kill to go there, and then when you're an adult, you would kill to not have to go there. I don't know, man. My chick loves Disneyland. She loves it. I could not. I, I don't. I don't. I have. I've been maybe twice in my adult life, like since I was 21. I've probably been yeah. twice. And they I was are just there each time. Disneyland just master manipulators and taking that ah moment of your toddler and just monetizing it. Like you're gonna wait in line all day long. You're gonna pay hundreds of dollars. I remember when I was a kid, if you were in Southern California, it was $26 to get into Disneyland. Parking is 35. Yeah. Parking is 35. Yeah, look, they've been doing it for like 70 something years. Like they've they've got that locked down. It's like ingrained in like the fiber of like your family, your your like generational, like just imprinted in your G- your DNA and your genetics now. Disney's in there. When I'm there, I feel like I'm in like a bazaar in the Middle East because I feel like I'm getting pickpocketed because just literally just you're just handing money everywhere. Oh, corn dog, it'll be twelve dollars. They do have beer now in a couple restaurants. It's like eleven dollars for a Sierra Nevada. Jeez. Just like, oh, buy me these like Mickey ears, buy me this princess staff. You're like, oh good. Fifty bucks, fifty bucks, fifty bucks. Bam, bam, bam. Just like pickpocketed. And if it looks like I went to a strip club because I'm covering glitter, it's not that this time. But it's a combination of glitter from princesses and churro dust from holding my daughter on my shoulders and having her eat a churro on my head. So if it's all glistening, no, I was not at the titty bar this time. That's uh, that's two of my favorite things. <laughs> titty bars and churros. <laughs> you get uh, you know, you get the Raiders with a decent offense. That's all we need. That's three for three. That's a that's a freaking trifecta right there. Three way dance. So a former Raiders making big news, and this time it's not for legal problems, although he's had his share of it. And I wonder if he's getting extra mouthy because of his former legal problems, like he was like a great broadcasting gig, and and um, that all went away. Talking about Warren Sapp, uh, he was asked from the from uh, the what the football show about Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. What's going on? And this was his answer: We got the wrong guy at the helm. We're trying to implement something that is dead. The Patriot way is dead. Bill Belichick even knows it. The Patriot way is dead, and Josh McDaniel is trying to recreate something that he doesn't have the credentials for. He doesn't. He, he's not Bill Belichick. We watched him do this in Denver when he drafted Tim Tebow and ran the Broncos into the ground. 
He's going to do the same thing in Oakland. When I mean, what did Maya Angelou say? When someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. Josh McDaniels is not a good football coach. So Warren Sapp's always been a pretty shy guy, you know, not one to mince words, kind of beats around the bush. Yeah, kind of wishy-washy up and down, you know. Yeah, you never really know where he stands. He went all in on old JMD. Yeah, it's not it's not a, a secret, you know. A lot of people feel this way. And uh, although I do feel that people can adjust different parts of their personalities as they grow, as they get older, um, it doesn't seem like Coach McHerpes has, has really changed much. Mm. Uh, and the same stubbornness that we see in his offense, if that's how he is dealing with players and uh, personal interactions and maybe some suggestions from, from people on his staff or outside his staff, uh, there's no wonder why the offense looks the way it does. So he brought up two things. He's, uh, and I think, you know, there's two aspects here that he brought up. And one of them is what everyone's talking about. Josh McDaniels, not a good coach, not a head coach, just can't do it. Mm -hmm. but he also brought up the other side of it. It's like, look, the Patriot way is dead. And he's trying to recreate something that's already dead. So like when the Patriot way was flourishing 12 years ago, whenever Josh McDaniels was at the Broncos, he's like, oh, we're going to recreate, you know, something that's winning, winning Super Bowls. He failed even then. Ooh. Fast forward to 2023. And Bill Belichick, whether it's because he doesn't have Tom Brady, whether because he's getting old, whether because Robert Kraft's getting old, whether for whatever reason, whatever Bill Belichick that's been doing so well for so long, it's not working anymore. And so you've got McDaniels, who's like not only trying to like dig up, a, like manufacture a way of football that he's not capable of manufacturing, he's trying to dig up the corpse of something that he's not capable of manufacturing. So we have to take a look at something as far as like, if, if you're talking about accountability and being coached hard and stuff like that, that's nothing new, mm -hmm. right? Basically what you're talking about the Patriot way, quote unquote, is the offense that they run and their philosophy around personnel. Mm -hmm. That's what you're looking at. And that offense, when Josh McDaniels got to the Patriots, that's after they had the growing pains of the early Tom Brady where they didn't ask him to do too much. Mm -hmm. He had he he was very, you know, scripted. He didn't make a lot of throws. And he had one or two throws a game, maybe, that he had to go out and, you know, gun and 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 show his arm off and whatever. But mostly it was just don't turn the ball over. Our defense is great. We're gonna have a we have a, a Hall of Fame kicker. Just don't do too much. And because he Tom Brady did that. And he still had the ability to make, you know, bigger throws. Um, he was able to kind of grow in that system. So when Josh McDaniels got Tom Brady, he was already that dude. Yeah. He had already won multiple Super Bowls. So um, I don't know that Josh McDaniels knows how to build something like that offense from nothing because he didn't have, he never had to do it from nothing. He, he, he got there when he already had the pieces and he had the basically the, the quarterback because that's what we're all talking about here, right? Let's just, you yeah. know, call it what it is because ever since Tom Brady left the, the Patriots, for some reason, Bill Belichick can't win games. So uh, it makes a lot of sense that he's trying to recreate some. Got it? Did you get it? 
Gotcha, you. What I tell you, you got to freaking aim high. You got to mm. aim high. Mm, you're dead. You aim high, you're two for two. Yeah, eat someone else's blood, you sucker. So continue. Yeah, so that's that's the issue that Josh McDaniels is running into. Is he's not only does it, does it not work, it, it it worked in the past with a very specific set of circumstances that he was basically gifted. He walked into that. Yeah. Now, I'm not to say that he didn't add anything to the offense that was already there, but the bulk of it was already there. Um, so it just doesn't look like he has the ability to be flexible enough and modern enough to work against these defenses, these modern NFL defenses. Yeah. And you've mentioned multiple times and, and you brought it up with Gruden, you brought it up with Del Rio and you brought it up uh, a lot with Josh McDaniels, how like ego is the big reason why these guys are so rigid. They're afraid to change. They just want to do things their way. And look, when you're a multi-millionaire head coach and everyone in that building kisses your ass, ego's always, always a factor in these things with head coaches. It's always mm -hmm. a factor, a big one, little one, whatever it may be. It's always part of it. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's less than you do with Josh McDaniels because I don't think Josh McDaniels' ego is not letting him change and adapt and be flexible. I just don't think he knows how. I don't, I think, I don't think he's capable. we got to remember, before Josh McDaniels made to the Patriots, his, his entire football work was he was a graduate assistant at Michigan State for like offseason. That's it. All the football he knows is under Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick and the Patriots. That's all he knows. He knows nothing else. All these guys in the NFL, it's like, oh, I played high school displays. I played D1 football. I played for two years. I was, you know, um, uh, cornerbacks coach at a D3 college. And then I became an assistant here. And I went to that team and that team and that team. And I had this giant coaching tree. Learn. That's most coaches, not Josh McDaniels. He only knows one thing and that's under Bill Belichick. And once he's out of Bill Belichick, he's asked to replicate Bill Belichick in the Patriot way. When the Broncos failed that year as offensive coordinator with the Rams failed with the Raiders failed. So I, I think he's just not, he just doesn't have the experience to do anything other than what he's programmed in. He's a one curriculum guy. He's a guy fighting in the UFC that's only wrestled his whole life. He's like, well, why is his wrestling working? Because he's never learned anything else. He only knows one discipline. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's, that's probably a big part of it too. Um, the thing is, there's ways that you can learn new things. And I think his stubbornness and his ego has kept him from doing that. Yeah. Um, Nick Saban brought in a bunch of different guys. He went to different coaches and he started learning new things. When the uh, the college football started being a little bit more uh, offensive heavy, and he's a, a defensive guy, he had to go out and learn new things. He had to know what to look for when he's looking for an, an offensive coordinator. So, that's part of it, but also there's the part of it that's his ego that won't even attempt to go out and find and, and seek out new information. Yeah. Um, I mean, we take a look at uh, like and, and like Andy Reid, and you hear how Andy Reid deals with Mahomes and the tight end that we re remain nameless. Um, he's like, yeah, at the end of practice, he just lets us like, all right, guys, uh, give me give me your best couple of plays. What do you guys think? And they use a, a lot of that stuff. They use a lot of those, maybe not the exact thing, but a lot of the concepts and a lot of the things. So um, it's a lot of times people's people's strength can also be factored into their weaknesses. And I think Josh McDaniels' belief in what he's doing 
and his blinders keep him from even attempting to search and seek out new knowledge. The very best always try to learn from everywhere. Yeah. Joe Rogan told a story about how like George St. Pierre, like George St. Pierre had already, you know, I th- maybe he was retired. Maybe he was in between when he like retired and before he came back to fight business, but he, he was already GS. Yeah, Mount Rushmore, right? He's already one of the best mixed martial arts of, I thought he was the greatest mixed martial artist of all time until John Jones went up to heavyweight. I think he's, I think he's the second best martial artist of all time. John Jones. Eight. Oh my God. Yeah, Sucks. dude. He's out of Madison square garden. Seth he's out for a while. Out. Those take a while to come back from at his age, a torn pack. Yeah. Brutal. Oof. But I remember Joe Rogan told a story about George St. Pierre going to Rogan and being like, Hey, show me how you do a spinning back kick. Like I know. Cause like Joe Rogan did Taekwondo for a long time. And you know, he's a, he's not like UFC level badass, but he's a, you know, by yeah, good technique, good striker. He's a black belt, yeah. And for civilians. Oh, yeah, for civilians, he's top civilians, he's yeah. a badass, right? And remember, Rogan was just blown away. It's like, you're George St. Pierre. You're mm. the greatest fighter on earth. And you're asking me something? Like, why? But that's how greats think, is I want to pick up something everywhere. That doesn't mean I'm going to use it all, and everything you're saying is gospel, but I can learn something from a guy who did who has way more Taekwondo experience than I do as George St. Pierre. And that's a mark of a, of a brilliant thinking man. Who's going to be on top of their field for a very long time. And that is just so opposite of Josh McDaniel. Yeah. I, I think the, 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 the beginning of that whole story was he asked, Hey, do you know anyone that has a good spinning back kick? And Joe Rogan was like, well, I mean, I got a pretty decent one. And then like an hour later, he's like, so, that you could show me your spinning back kick. Mm-hmm. And that's when Joe Rogan was like, what? For real, dude? Like, what the hell, yeah. man? So I was at, uh, I, my brother went to UC Santa Barbara. And um, I How many make, STDs did he come back with? Oh, my God. I don't even and and it was totally worth it. I, I, I went up there. He lived in Isla Vista, and I went up there for Halloween. That was a big old party. I've been to Halloween at UC Santa Woo! Barbara. It is, it is an experience. I want to go there as a 40-year-old just as a creeper just to, like, remember how great it was. His buddies, uh, he's, like, he, had a, he shared, like, an apartment with, like, three other dudes, and they stole a big Ronald McDonald that they used to have, like, the inflatable ones. Mm-hmm. And by the time they got it to their apartment, it was like half deflated. So it was just all jacked up and like, you know, doing all that. Uh, was it the inflatable inflating tube man? One of those? It was or very it- similar, but it was okay. more, more, more down to the ground. But I was at the train station. I was grabbing the train in Anaheim. And there was like a homeless dude just sitting there, you know, like an older guy. And he was just sitting there and he walked up to me, asked me if I had any money. I had a couple bucks. I gave him a couple bucks. He sat down. He was just kind of sitting there. And he looks at me and he's like, let me tell you something, kid. I was like 16, 17 years old. He's like, never get old. Never get old. And the only place that you can really get old where it affects you the most is up here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like thinking to myself, yeah, yeah, like if you think old, if you if you if you act and think like somebody that is too out of touch and can't do things, they can't learn new things, they can't be on top of current topics and can't uh accept. I mean, I have to agree, but you can't accept new points of view. Yeah, you, you are going to age quickly. That in that sense, you're gonna you're gonna squeeze yourself out of the newer, younger society if you are so stuck in in, in old things. And uh, you know, help uh, working at the gym helps me stay young. I work with teens and twenty year olds like pretty much every single day. Yeah. Uh, so 
and you know dealing with you and like you know you have a kid it keeps you young and like i'm you know doing something that 46 year olds don't typically do which is a, a starting a podcast like so it's it's it makes a lot of it makes more sense now than it did back then and it's it's all about having that flexibility to be able to incorporate new things that's why uh, an old buddy of ours, Danny Acosta, once said, RJ, you live your life like it's the last day of the first semester of junior college. I was like, yeah, it's pretty accurate. You're kind of footloose and fancy free. It's like, all right, the semester's done. I'm not blowing my savings, right? I'm not like doing lines and Tijuana every night, but it's like, it's time to party, but there's still some things in the future. I got school in three weeks. Like school starts yeah, but it's like, it's weeks. right at that. And you're young enough where you can be dumb. You know, that much responsibility. It's like, it's right in that middle ground. And I was like, that's yeah. insanely articulate and poetic, Danny. And I, I've kind of always agreed with them. Good guy, uh, Danny. Yeah, he's a good man. Good guy. So the, when I first like saw that Warren Sapp was trending, cause I was at, you know, I was at Disneyland all day long. I didn't have a chance to like listen to it yet. I was just kind of like making notes on my phone as I'm standing in hour long lines to meet Donald Duck. Sounds awful. awful. I thought to myself like, okay, I'm going to wonder how good this is going to be because Warren Sapp after those legal troubles, right? He was on NFL network and he got caught um, with a prostitute and he got arrested and the video came out. I mean, He's, who hasn't? All yeah, right. That's a Thursday around these parts. But with him, it was like he's been extra like vocal to try to get back in like people's minds and back in headlines. I'm like, all right, is he just going to say something crazy and outlandish? And I'm like, does he have a beef with Josh McDaniels? Is there history there? And there isn't. Obviously, Warren Sapp was a Raider for a hot minute after being um, uh, with Tampa Bay. But he did bring up, I think the most, that it was really insightful. And that's why I, I wanted to talk about it and bring it up when he was talking about how he's trying to do something that's already dead. And I never Makes thought about sense. it that way. Right. Cause normally it's just like every other GM and, and, and owner that's been hiring all these expatriates is like, well, something's working in new England. Can we grab that recipe? Like, is that something's happening there? Right. You've, something's clearly working. Can we get that? Can we replicate that? And it's bad enough when you're trying to replicate something when you don't have Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But now you're seeing that, it's not working if you're missing just one of those pieces, just not having Tom Brady. And I think father Tom, because the defense in, in new England isn't, isn't up to its normal snuff either, which isn't obviously Tom Brady, but you're trying to replicate you know, something that's already gone past I mean, the time. Ty law, lawyer, Malloy, Teddy Bruschi, Willie McGinnis. Like those guys were there from the beginning going through it. And they're, they're the ones that really, Chandler heavily on those guys, yeah. Chan well, later, later <laughs> Not on, the beginning, maybe, but yeah. yeah. I mean, also was lawyer. Um, I don't think Ty Law was there from the beginning, but you got you know, it's it took a while to get to that point, and I don't know that Mark Davis and Josh McDaniels fully appreciated the work that went in to building that mm -hmm. when Josh McDaniels wasn't there. When he wasn't the offensive coordinator, when he was just an assistant, or you know, it it, it took a lot more than just uh, the vision was a lot, a lot further down than 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 what I think Josh McDaniels thought, and and may and definitely what Mark Davis thought. 
So now that Josh McDaniels is at the helm, it's a matter of where do we go now? The tread dead, where do tread we deadlines. Trade deadlines on Halloween of all times. Um, Jordan Schultz, a Bleacher Report, has mm. chimed in on this. And Hunter Renfro has gone from probably mid-off season to like kind of whispers of like, do, do are they going to trade him? Is he part of the system? JMD not like him for whatever reason. To now it's like, okay, it's stupid if he doesn't move. Like you're not going to use him clearly. He's getting paid a lot. He's a pro bowler. Have him go somewhere for all parties and other than Raiders fans. All parties involved are like, let's move on. Like, let's be done with this. Jay, um, Josh McDaniels doesn't want that want that roster spot taken up. Mark Davis doesn't want to pay him if he doesn't if he's not going to do anything. I'm sure Hunter Renfro doesn't want to be there. He's not part of the offense. Other than, other than fans of his, everyone's like, okay, let's move on. Here's what uh, Jordan Schultz said as an update to that whole situation. From everything I've been told, the Raiders have been trying to move Renfro, really going back to last season, and unfortunately, they haven't been able to find a suitor in large part because of his contract. But I can tell you that both sides want to find a healthy separation. It's a mutual agreement that a, a change of scenery for Renfro would benefit everyone involved. Really comes down to a fractured relationship with Josh McDaniels. A fractured relationship with Josh McDaniels. Now, we've heard all the other stuff before until that last line. A fract I can't imagine having a fractured relationship with Hunter Renfro. He seems like the most laid back, easy going, aw shucks, okay. Like, I'm going to get a, a, an Uber X with my million dollar quarterback and franchise receivers in the back and just like, just the most like laid back, down to earth country boy ever. How do you have a fractured relationship with that guy? Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard when you don't you know exactly what's going on. We know that Hunter thrives from his own words. He thrives on doing things a little bit differently and doing things his own way. Mm -hmm. That is not going to endear yourself to Josh McDaniels. Yeah. Uh, we know that his connection with Derek Carr was as such where they were on the same page and they were like locked in. Yeah. So if, not saying this is true, not saying it isn't, but I could see that maybe some some plays that were made weren't tipped maybe part of the offense who kind of didn't went on their own. Yeah. That that, that yeah, as as a possibility. I'm not saying it did or it didn't happen, but knowing what we know about both of those guys, that Renfro does really well and is doing his own thing. And him him and, and Carr were just so locked into each other. Um, yeah, I can see that happening. Um it kind of gives me a new perspective now, knowing that this has been something that has been brewing for over a year now. Um, I'm sure the the injury to Renfro didn't help last year, and maybe uh, McDaniel's doesn't feel like he's can stay healthy, so he doesn't want to put him out in the field to get him hurt again and not being able to trade him. I don't know. We talked about this uh, in the off season about like all the little microcosms of what we can watch with Josh McDaniels. And one of the things we talked about was, can he and Hunter Renfro work right? Like a, a, a good, I think probably the greatest quality of a coach is to get the best out of your players. Mm -hmm. Like there's, Hey, or, you know, if you're a GM, how do you handle that? What's your offense? Like what's your defense? Like what's your, you know, how do you manage the cap? How do you deal with all of your assistants? How do you handle the media? Like, there's a million things that make you a good or bad coach. If you said, all right, give me one good quality that you want in your coach, it's just simply getting the best out of your players. That's, I think, the main job, of, mm -hmm. whether it's through motivation, whether it's 
through fundamentals, whether it's through great schemes, whether it's Basaccia, just like loving it, them yeah, to be successful. There's whatever it is. It whatever, incorporates a lot. Whatever it is. Josh McDaniels and the Hunter Renfro relationship was like, all right, here's the chance to show that JMD has grown and not the Broncos guy that still the Broncos coach that failed. Is can he get what's in Hunter Renfro? A mm-hmm. amazing a hundred catch thousand yard pro bowl receiver is in Hunter Renfro. Can you get it out of him? And it was just opposite. It's he's gotten less out of him than Clemson did. It's like he's got yeah. he's he's got nothing out of Hunter Renfro. And it's it, it was you can't get that little out of that much talent. There's something terribly wrong. And this whole like fractured relationship, that little line, and if I could be digging into deep to it, but it could it could be just JMD just being like, All right, screw you. You're not doing it exactly how I say. I'm never going to use you. You're never going to get the ball thrown to you. You're like, you're literally not in the, in the progressions of these routes on the few times you do touch the field. It's, it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible not knowing exactly what's going on. Yeah. It does seem that way because to have a player that, I mean, is he a hundred catch thousand yard guy like consistently every year? I don't think he's that because I don't know that he's going to be a number one receiver when he goes to a different team, but he's definitely going to be a whole lot more productive than he's to be doing for us. Yeah. And, um, and that's the frustration is that in Josh McDaniel's system, a slot receiver can be a stud. He's always had a good slot receiver and it's a big part of the system. So it's like a double whammy that you can't make a good slot receiver. Produce. And the thing is, I, 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 you can't really use the excuse or the reason that he wants his slot receiver to be able to like do more, you know, run the ball like jet sweeps stuff like because he only does it like once a game. Yeah, you know, and and the thing is, and we talked about this already in a previous show, and you and I were talking about this with Rory. If you're gonna run a jet sweep, you should run the action at least three times a game. Mm. You don't have to do the jet sweep three times a game, but there's a lot of different things you can do off a jet sweep, right? Yeah. You can do play action. You can fake it and you know give it to JJ on a dive. I mean, you can do, you can do a bunch of, diff- bunch of different things to keep the defense honest. And, um, you know, the Jets will work a lot better when you actually run them. So I see it from that perspective, but he has too much talent to be used this little. Is he – do I feel like he's this, you know, locked in 100% receiver guy like a Devonta Adams wherever he goes? No, he's not that guy, but he's a whole lot better than what he's showing us. Or what he's gonna, allowed to show us. It's going to be yet another Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler situation where we're trading a pro bowler for a sack of marbles. Like it's going to just like, you know, the Darren Waller thing got, we got a good deal after everything soured, right? If you look at the second we traded him, getting a third for him, especially in hindsight, that was the right move there, but it never should have gotten to that point, right? Paid mm-hmm. him two seasons early, let it all fall apart. <laughs> you know, Derek Carr, the no trade clause got nothing for him. Like he's, you know, the, franchise quarterback somewhere and got nothing for him. Um, and I feel like Hunter Renfro is going to be another, like he drafted the rare hit in a draft, right? Fifth round pick that, you know, credit where credit's due, right? Gruden, Gruden and Mayock, like score, hit it, right? They got a home run in the fifth round, the rare times they do, and it's going to be squandered. And it's just yeah. like, I mean, when we, when we do actually finally do like three things in a row, right? We blow it at the, at the finish line. I mean, look, we we traded Ngakwe for Rocky Scene, and then we let him walk. And Rocky Scene is doing really well with the Ravens, and we basically traded Yassine and got Marcus Peters from the Ravens. And Marcus Peters is not doing well at all. 
So basically, we, we traded away Ngakwe for nothing. We traded Ngakwe for nothing and then signed Chandler Jones to replace him, who went insane. And then we drafted Tyree yeah, Wilson, man, bro. eventually replaced Chandler Jones. And he's like the worst first round pick in football. It's like the second, like, we, we lucked, like, Rocky, you see, we lucked a, a rare, like, free agent pickup where we didn't overpay. We picked up a guy that he wasn't even like a big starter in Indy. He was like a role player, played great he for us. A good guy, he played really well for a lot better really for us than he did in in, in uh, Indy. Best best DB outside of Hobbs for us, right? Yeah, Got he did really well. Taken away, and we just couldn't replace him. It's like the rare times we do hit personnel wise, whether draft or free agency or whatever, we just find a way to blow it. We just and we just can't put all the pieces together either like draft develop decent contract keep with us or like you know free agent trade decent contract develop either move on and get something or get all we can out of them let them walk we never can put it all together perfectly we can never get it like when's the last time we like had a player go through the whole system play great with us and we got let him walk at just the right time, or did it, you know? Let him get like not too late. That's like, a big one. Let the let him walk at just the right time is a big one because we've had players that we've, you know, we've had that we've developed, but we just kept them kept them too long, and we mm -hmm. paid them too much. Along those lines, um, the trade deadline is coming up. It's Tuesday, October thirty first. You're like, huh? Why do I know that date exactly? It's Halloween. That's gonna be a, that's gonna be rough for all the like the beat writers that have kids. It's like one of the busiest days in the NFL season, and you're like, all right, everyone's put the candy down, put down the cocktail. Is it, is it midnight or is it during the day on Halloween? It's like four Eastern or something. Oh, like that's that. not too bad. It's not too bad. But I mean, you're like once the trades happen, you're following up. What's the contract? What's the give me some quotes? You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, yeah. yeah. Just when the deadline ends, it, you know. And four o'clock Eastern, like most of these guys are East Coast, four o'clock Eastern, you start trick or treating with young kids at five or six, like when the sun's still up, right? Five, you know? Like so different from when we were kids. When did you start trick or treating? It was already pitch black. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, I, I, I grew up in the, in the, I was trick or treating in the early 80s, bro. Yeah. They, they, I don't know if they were putting milk, uh, people on milk cartons yet. I don't know if that was, that was a thing yet. At least that wasn't a nationwide thing, I don't think. No Amber Alerts, none of that. It was just, you know, stick together. That was that was the freaking, you know, mm -hmm. stick together so you're easier to steal. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, well, all my cousins and stuff were all like around, you know, some of my cousins were on my guy. My brother's two years older. There's me. I got a cousin a, a month younger, a, a year younger, two years younger, three years younger. I mean, so we're all like bunched in together and like, all right, go trick-or-treating. Just uh, stay together. What? Mm -hmm. Okay. That way you can, we can get pushed into a van in one push. Everyone gets into yeah. pushed in the van together. Exactly. Well, we're going to be potentially making some moves here. Now, it's this season, Dave Ziegler has been this kind of like work it down the middle type thing. Whereas like it was big splashes last year, right? Chandler Jones, Devontae Adams, trade draft pick. Let's go huge. Let's, let's give all these big contracts to Waller and like, like, you know, hitting a home run, right? This season, it's been... Very little. Like they were, there were some moves in the offseason, but it was always just like, imp it was just improving what was already good. Like, an, you know, getting Jacoby Myers, another wide receiver, you know, some veteran on the cheap kind of like coming off injury DBs. 
you know, keeping all your draft picks you can develop. It's been like a mixed bag, right? It's not going all in or selling everything for the future. So it, it feels, and I feel like this trade deadline is going to be the same way. I think we're going to get swindled for Hunter Renfro. I think someone's going to be like, all right, here's a sixth. Or, and you have to pay some of the salary or something like that, right? We're going to get squat, squat for Hunter. Maybe, maybe get a guard from somewhere. Maybe get an end from somewhere. But it doesn't seem like there's going to be any massive moves. But it, it feels like there will be some moves. I mean, there should be, there should be some moves. So it's, it's hard to say that there will be because I mean, there's not been any indication that anything is like really cooking at least, you know, that's the hard part. It's like, yeah. Do you have to like, you know, do we, are we asking, um, you know, Dave Ziegler to like divulge what he's doing, but I I don't, I don't see, I mean, they're really tight lipped anyway up there, but still, man, like that's, that's like getting borderline ridiculous. Like we're hearing zero from anywhere. Well, I feel like it's the, I think like Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are coaching and GMing for their job this season. Right. And so they're trying to make it clear because they're in a, they're in a, they should be in politics one day. If this whole football thing doesn't work out and it's starting to not work out. Yeah. Right. They're in this balancing act where they have to sell that the future is bright to Mark Davis. They have to sell like, hey, because you're not winning now, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're only three and four, but it, for something something about Josh McDaniels makes you feel like we're 0-7, right? Like we're three and four. It doesn't feel that way. It feels way worse than our – the season just feels like it's not as good as a three and four season, and that's coming from 20 years of being Raiders fans where, you know, we've been knocked out of the playoffs and Thanksgiving by Thanksgiving more times than I can count, right? So they have to make it feel like, hey, we're building towards the future – but also winning enough to not look like a dumpster fire. So they can't sell all their picks to like get talent right this second to get us to seven wins, but they can't sell everything they have now and have us go three and 14 for next season. Cause they're not going to be around next season. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, it's, you have to have a vote of confidence to be able to do that. And I don't know that they've earned that. Um, and cause I don't know that anything, and this is this is this is hard because we don't know the conversations that have. For all we know, this is them tanking. He's like, I'm just going to keep my offense really simple. I'm not going to tell. I have a bunch of stuff in the can that I'm not going to show. I'm just going to like go out there and we're going to lose and we're going to you know whatever. We're going to win some games. We're going to lose some games, but we're going to go out there and 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 we're really going to build for the for for the next season or whatever. Who knows? I I doubt that's the case. I really don't think that's the case at all. But for 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 someone trying to win, I don't know that he's really done anything that anyone can point to and look at and say, okay, uh, this is why I'm going to give you a, a vote of confidence moving forward after what you've shown me these this year and and change. And uh, I mean, everyone on earth except for Mark Davis thinks that you know we should move on from Josh McDaniels. Yeah. And uh, is it? Has it been like a, a kind of an un, a, a, not unspoken thing, but like kind of like a side deal? Like, hey, look, we're going to really stink. Yeah. And then we're going to push moving forward and we're going to do everything we can to move up in the draft to get a, a, the quarterback that we want. And we're going to do this and that, and blah, blah, blah. Is that the plan? Who knows, man? Who knows? But if you're going to make those big moves, you, you better have the backing of the man upstairs. Uh, because if God. not, heads are going to roll. Back- 
the backing of God. Or Mark when it comes to the Raiders, yeah. Um, so a couple specifics. You can always tell when a journalist or a YouTube guy or radio host or whoever, and they're talking about Devontae Adams with the Raiders, and they say, like, yeah, he should ask for a trade. They should move on. You can tell the ones that do their homework the ones that don't. Devontae Adams isn't going anywhere this season. His dead cap's like $50 million. No way. 0% chance. Anyone who's saying that isn't doing It's either a national guy that oh, sees a headline and goes a lot of or a hack that covers that. the Raiders. Like you're just, it's one. That's like, that's like the first thing I think of when I think of like, Oh, this guy's asking for a trade or can this guy trade? I immediately look up their What's their cap hit? What's their salary? That's the first thing I do. Not film, not their stats. It's what's his contract look like. That should be the first thing you look up. You glance at Devonte Adams contract for four seconds. It's no way. No way. No way he's moving, right? So he's sticking around no matter how much. So get that out of your head. Hunter Renfro, I think, for sure is going to be gone by October 31st. Now it's just a matter of can we please, God, get something out of this guy value-wise. Um, the spots, because it's Josh McDaniels and because it's Dave Ziegler and the way they've approached the entire offseason, I don't think they make like any defensive moves. I think maybe they get like a guard because that's all they do is just try to soup up the offense with what they want and say, all right, Patrick Graham, here's uh, here's some duct tape and bailing wire. Try to scrape together a defense. He does little pieces here and there, but they're, they're trying to build that defense young. Mm-hmm. I, I, you can tell what they're trying to do. And to some extent, I understand because it's not the time. It's not like you're you're really close to being a great defense, and one or uh, 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 a piece is going to really put you over the top. Can it yeah. make you better? Sure, it's going to make you better. The, the player's better, but overall, how worth it is it? Um, but you got to start doing something. And you know, yeah. Epps is playing pretty good. Merrick's coming into form. Spillane's okay. He's spotty. He's he's good. And and then you know he's missing tackles. You know the next day. So. Um, Hobbs is it's, still hurt, which we'll get to. Oh, God damn, Diablo to. got hurt. We don't know what's going on with him, which we'll get to. Yeah, we'll get to that too. It's just and, there's, and there's it's a like lot this, going on. That that's yeah. there's a lot going on, and and the thing is, is we don't see some any type of uh, like a pattern, you know. Uh, well, I feel like this defense was built around Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, Tyree Wilson will get pressure, and I'll make everything better, right? Like, yeah, yeah. The, pressure, the line has to get pressure off the edge fixes a lot of things, right? It covers up a lot of warts. It's really good makeup for some over-the-hill DBs or some developing DBs or some poor tackling linebackers if you can get a really good pressure off the edge. And other than Max Crosby, they're not getting it, right? Obviously, Chandler Jones didn't play a snap, and Tyree Wilson has has had like one play all season where you're like, oh, Tyree, there's Tyree Wilson. He did something. And so that's held the whole defense back. And so do you... Because there's a lot of good edge rushers available. Like there's some pretty decent edge rushers that are going to hit the market and and, ru- and rushing defensive tackles too. And so, do you go and get like a four, like another defensive end? Like you're paying all the dead cap on Chandler Jones. You used a, a seventh overall pick on Tyree Wilson. You pay Max Crosby a ton, worth every diamond more so. But you pay Max Crosby a ton. Do you get yet another edge rusher? Because the market says you should. But do you? But is it just like? Let's just stack them up and we'll win with volume. I mean, it's possible. You can get a guy that can rush from the inside. There's, you know, Chase Young's out there. Uh, there's Leonard Williams is out there. Uh, so there's some guys that are out there that can rush from the inside, which is what you need the help from. Yeah. But 
I wouldn't necessarily go with another edge. Uh, I would get if I'm going to do something to my defensive line, I'm going to do something inside. Minnesota's uh, Daniel Hunter is probably going to be out there. I like him a lot. Get him for not too much. From uh, Minnesota, yeah? Minnesota, yeah. Uh, so or Dan It's Daniel, right? Is it Daniel? Is it Daniel or Daniel? I mean, it's, it's, it's spelled, spelled Daniel. Daniel. I think it's Daniel. Daniel? Yeah. Even when he's yeah. on the Raiders, we're not going to pronounce his name right. You know we better learn how to say it. You know how I roll. Uh, he, it, is a, it is a cool name, and the Raiders do have – Awesome named players. They don't play for crap, but God, their names are sweet. You look down at a roster, sick ass look names. At some of the names, right? That's why Rocky has seen. I miss him so bad. One because he's playing good. He had maybe the coolest name on a team of cool names. Rocky has seen. That sounds like an '80s cover band. An awesome name. Injury report. We don't got one. <laughs> we're recording this on a Wednesday, and because. We're playing on Monday. It's all pushed back a day, so there wasn't an official injury report. And we have a lot of big questions. Obviously, yeah. the biggest one is uh, is the quarterback. Um, Josh McDaniels didn't give an didn't have to give an official injury report on anybody, but he did say this to the media today. Uh, asked about Jimmy G when he's going to come back. That's a medical thing. Honestly, I wouldn't be able to put a percentage on that. I know he's doing well, but that's something that they will let us know exactly when we're able to turn the corner. I'm hoping for this week but I don't have clarification on that yet. What he said on Sunday after the game was if Jimmy G is healthy, he's playing. And there's really nothing that Brian Hoyer did Sunday or the other 12 starts before that to not get a win to say, let's move on from Jimmy G. Not really a quarterback battle, even if Jimmy G comes back, but we don't know when that is and how long he's going to be because they're very mum about details on injuries. Yeah, that whole press conference was just really just deflating, you know, just his mindset. Josh McDaniels. Why don't you, why don't you use a former offensive coordinator from the Patriots and use the deflating? Yeah, right. Analogy. It just it was really deflated. It was just, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to, the media is doing their job and they're trying to ask Josh McDaniels about why he didn't use uh, Farva instead of Hoyer. And, and at least why didn't he put him in at half? And, you know, McDaniels is very dismissive. He was very condescending. Like, yeah, this isn't preseason, you know. This is – and I'm, well, he went in there and scored a touchdown. You know, like yeah. Farber went in there and scored a touchdown. Granted, it was in mop-up time, but he still the, – the offense still looked a whole lot better when he was in there. Well, and that, and that, and that answer is ridiculous. It's like, well, Aiden O'Connell is really good in preseason. This isn't, this isn't preseason. It's regular season. It's like, okay, Brian Hoyer looks terrible in regular season. And he, like, he didn't look as good in the preseason either. Yeah. Well, it's like, like there's no, and now there's no like way to use that analogy and have it work. It's like, it well, we want to, we yeah, want to prove a guy that's done well in the regular season. That's not Brian Hoyer. <laughs> yeah. It just, again, it goes to what, what we talked about earlier is his stubbornness and his ego. I'm going to use Brian Hoyer because this is the guy that I brought in to back up. And, you know, he got a lot of weird looks and Brian Hoyer and 15-year vet Brian Hoyer, like, going to retire Brian Hoyer? You want that guy? And it's like almost he's force-feeding just to, to to prove a point that... You let Jared Stidham walk? You got a two-year, $5 million just, deal? Yeah, none of this stuff that? makes sense. And as far as, like, as far as the press conference goes more recently, it just just his condescending tone and how how dismissive he was of 
the 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 skill level of Farva when they played with the same teammates against the same players in preseason. Farva looked markedly better, and the offense looked markedly better when they played the Chargers when Farva was in there. Uh, he did have some turnovers, but he got better as the game went along. It just shows a lack. He's 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 playing two different sides at the same time, and and it just being a big it's a big mess. You know, it's like yeah, I want to start Hoyer because he's he gives me a better chance to win right now. What really, it, it doesn't look like that's the case. Never overlook coaches just falling in love with like football guys. Because you think about it, right? Like you have a game, you have 17 games all year long, right? You have preseason and off season and open workouts and OTAs. And uh, like you have a million more practices, meetings, film sessions, workouts than you do actual playing time. So when you like, when you like fall in love with a dude, right? You're like, oh, I just love having Brian Hoyer around. Like he's great in meetings, he's great in film sessions, he knows my scheme like we talk about the same crappy netflix shows we play the same video games whatever like so often we underestimate how much that goes into coaches decisions because you're with that guy 99 percent of your time with them isn't in the game and you sometimes you forget like oh this guy makes me feel good this guy understands me this guy gets me it's like he's a football guy yeah i love this guy and you're just like he doesn't produce but yeah that's all we see and all we it's- care about and that's all that should be cared about yeah, but they don't produce on the back end. Yeah, you know I mean, I, mean? I, I get a hundred percent what you're saying. It's like the, the, the similar scenario when you know you you see a bunch of chicks and and one of their friends is like a freaking sea donkey, and they're like, oh, but she's really nice and she's really sweet and this and that and blah 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 blah. blah. They're gonna talk up all the good points about her, and then there's a supermodel that walks by that they hate. Like, oh, look at her toenails. Oh, this and that. They're gonna find anything to pick if. They like you, they're going to talk you up, and they're going to look at the best things about you. And that's similar to what Josh Downs is doing with Hoyer. He likes him. He's like, he's great in the locker room. He's great in the film room. He's great in practice, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Well, he's not great in the game. He's not good in the game. He's not average. He's not below average in the game. He's terrible. And it's just like you you forget sometimes how bad they are in the game because you, you spent 12 hours with them every day for the last six months. And you're like, oh, wait, yeah. You can't do the one thing I need you to do, and that's win football games. Uh, also, injures, injuries to follow. Divine Diablo got knocked out first quarter in the Bears game, I believe. First or second, second quarter. Definitely first half. Yeah, first, first half. Quarter. Didn't come back. No update on him. That's certainly one to follow. Nate Hobbs has now missed his fourth game. It's That, that tells you a lot that he wasn't put on IR. This is something that they thought he could be back from pretty quick. And he didn't like it wasn't a surgery. It wasn't a broken bone. It wasn't anything like that. We were like, okay, this is, this is something that's keeps getting re aggravated for one reason or another. And that's not a good sign. Or, or he's not thrilled about how things are going in the locker room. And he's like, man, forget this. <laughs> oh, ow. I need a backyotomy. Oh, oh man. <laughs> oh, darn. I need a backyotomy. I can't play again. Ah, oh, shucks. Darn. Yeah, I don't wow. practice. I don't play. Oh, my goodness. Okay, it is what it is. And then uh, Josh Jacobs got knocked out of the game for not even a quarter. Just missed a little bit of time. Came back. Okay, like, like a hip thing. He walked off holding his hip. 
no Ooh, update I've on had him a either. Pointer, man. I oh, I did that when I was man. I tried to to do the hammer throw in high school. They didn't have the hammer throw there, but I was practicing to go when I was going to go to college. Mm-hmm. And man, I freaking jacked my hip up. Oh, that that's painful. That's that's super painful. A hip, you get a hip pointer, you, you like strain your hip flexor, you get a little small tear in it. Oh, can't do anything with that leg. Good thing Josh Jacobs is an Adonis, and he'll probably fight through it. But those are the four injuries we're going to be following when the reports start coming out. It's so weird with Jimmy G getting hurt. Normally, it's like a like a kick to the nuts for a team. But for Raider Nation, you're like, good, give us Farva. It's like the the one team of thir- other 31 teams. The starting quarterback goes out. You're like, oh, season's over. This is de- de- DEFCON 2. With Raider Nation, we're like, sweet. Come on. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a joke that kind of like made uh, – uh, that kind of like uh, shows how Raider Nation felt, mm-hmm. right? Because we said, yeah, man, if Jimmy G doesn't play, then Farmer's going to go in. And it's like, no, we're going to start Brian Hoyer. Like, ah, uh, deflating, right? Mm-hmm. So a guy – he helps uh, an old man across the street. And the guy's like, hey, man, I'm a wizard. I can grant you one wish. And it's like, man, okay, can we can we time time out the uh, – I'll just say the regular word. It's like, yeah, I want a penis that touches the floor. And the wizard, wizard goes, okay, bam. And he, and he hit his wand, and the guy has no legs. Mm. That was Brian Hoyer going in. Like, we got what we wanted, but – not the result that we were looking for. I got almost the exact same joke, but I think mine's better. We'll let, the, we'll let you guys decide which joke was better. So a guy walks into a bar and he sees a tiny one foot tall uh, man you playing the this piano. Joke before. Playing the piano? That one? Yeah. All right. For those, we have a whole bunch of new subscribers. We got to do it again. Okay. Guy walks into a bar and there's a 12, there's like a one foot man, tiny man playing the piano. And he goes to the bar. He's like, dude, what's up with that that crazy tiny guy playing the piano? He's like, well, there's a genie in the back. And uh, he's giving out wishes. And he's like, but he's kind of hard of hearing. So you have to like really speak up. So he goes to the genie and he's like, I want to be, be a millionaire. The genie says, what? He's like, I want to be a millionaire. And he comes back and he has a whole bunch of balloons. He's like, oh, I gave you a bunch of air. A whole bunch of air. He's like, oh, man, what a waste of a wish. So the guy goes over to the bartender with all these balloons and he's like, look, this genie can't listen. He didn't give me the right, the right wish. The bartender says, Oh, you think I asked for a 12 inch pianist? But hey, he's here all week. Ready to do some what up one bags? Uh yeah, let's do it. Cedric Moore, 8053. You think this hurts? Wait till we play the Lions on Monday night. Like Soto said, Lions won't use any spit. Um I don't know what the Lions can do to us. I don't think it's going to hurt as bad as the Bears because the Lions are good. Like the Lions on paper should dick slap us. What are they now? They're like seven and a half point favorites or something. Uh, RJ. Oh, same one. Where jar? That's why I said penis. Uh, I I think that the potential, the potential for the game could be a lot bigger than 18 point loss. They have an explosive. Oh, for sure. They have an explosive. Oh, for sure. I'm just saying, I'm just saying losing, losing to the bears by how much we did. We could lose to the lions by twice as much. and won't hurt as bad. Yeah. But the fact of just the fact of, uh, 
of taking a fat L like that again in prime time. Like at least we were hidden in like an early game with a bunch of other early games. This is like yeah. exposed in front of everybody. If you want to get your like your asshole rammed by uh by a team, it's the 10 a.m. window. Like that's oh, when yeah. you want to get embarrassed. And there's like nine other games, games on. Like you're good. Yeah, this 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 can be potentially very ugly. And honestly, I, I never want us to lose ever. I don't think that you you can win by losing. I think that you you may get a better draft spot, but you also lose a lot of people that are could be good players that make the bulk of your team, right? Yeah. Uh, because of the you know just the culture that 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 breeds. But if we get embarrassed the second week in a row on Monday Night Football, that could be just the fire that gets lit under Mark Davis's butt to make him do something. Uh, Victor Anguano, 7401. Raider fans should show up to the Aces Parade with signs and banners that say, Fire Josh McDaniels. Uh, well, what are the odds that you brought that up? And uh, exactly that happened. Literally what you said happened. I wonder if this is Victor. I wonder if he's... I've got to no, ask that's him that's Vegas Ralph. Him. Shout out to Vegas Ralph. Vegas Ralph. Leaving T... That's that's the parking lot that between T-Mobile Arena. That is the yeah. Mark Davis right there. Yeah, And he comes he, back to talk to him. Yeah. That's right out of there between T-Mobile and um, the parking garage right there. So he's leaving like the party. That party looked packed too, by the way. Mm -hmm. That's how you protest too. Like you don't chain yourself to something. You don't get like aggressive. You don't get like violent. You're just like, here's what I'm saying loudly. Oh, you want to respond? I'm still passionate about it. I will have a conversation, but I will not yield my, my inflammatory remarks and feelings. What other owner does that? I've seen owners do it like in the media on on social media, like yeah. doing an interview, stuff like that. But like, what owner has gone face to face twice now with what owner is out in the public like that? Like, what owner? Which is endearing about Mark Davis, I will admit, because he's a big kid. He's just a big kid on his, he is. In his in the biggest in the world's biggest sandbox. He just like I, I like skinny blondes with big boobs. Like, what's up? Uh, Jeremiah Rose, forty six eighty one. I give Soto so much grief, grief, but yes, playing good cop, bad cop with RJ is entertaining. I'm glad which somebody likes cop? it. Which one's the good cop? Which one's the bad cop? I don't know. I think it changes. We're like the wire. Neither we're both crooked, but we just sometimes like one time, one episode. I'm more moral than you are. That's a great show. It's the most well written show ever. I, I can I can listen to the argument that there are better shows and make you know Sopranos, Breaking Bad. We can have these conversations. When you mm -hmm. say like, which show was written better than The Wire? No way, not even. Close. Know, one of the reasons why it, it was such a well-written show is because each season was written on its own. 
you know, that was, we talked about this before. Yeah. It was such an early show. It was encapsulated uh, on its own. It could be its own thing, but it always led to the next one, right? Like yeah. It was the drug well, trade and then unions and then education the media, and then media. The media yeah. All the same characters flawlessly, but you bring in new guys, but the old ones flawlessly move between them without any jump around. All the characters, it was the first show where the characters were super realistic. There's not one oh, yeah. good guy. There's not like one, oh, that's the protagonist. Every one of them is a piece of garbage in some way. Yeah, and it's like the the, the reason why it happened that way is the wire didn't know that they were going to get picked up year to year. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, this is your year. You know, we we don't uh, TV HBO making their own content really wasn't a thing back then. They had what? What was that one in jail? Oh, um, whatever that was. Yeah, darn it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Rick Fox was on it. But yeah, there's that. This is going to kill me. I know. It, it's killing me right now. But it wasn't like a guarantee that they had two, three years to go. Thousands of to, listeners are screaming at their yeah. phones and computers yeah, right now. Is. No, it, but they had that show to tell the story in that season and that season alone. So they had to tie everything together, had to make everything make sense. And it was Oz. So Oz. There you go. Boom. But yeah, so then be a swear so like basically every single year was like that. Okay, you got another year. Okay, we got to do it again. Well, we already told the story. We already ended a lot of the, the things that we were telling. Well, let's tell it from this perspective. Okay, there we go. And you do that. And just tell a new story from a new perspective with the same characters. That's why it was just so so brilliant. It was a great show. Great show. Then you got Bunk just being awesome. The best part of the, what I started to use. Can, can we like time out with the freaking thing? Because I'm going to say something bad. Okay. Earmuffs, Ear, earmuff kids. Earmuffs. She. Got your ass. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. He was so on a, many, he, he awesome was on a show. It was on a movie. It was a movie, um, Cedar Rapids. And he played a guy that liked that liked the show The Wild. He only, he only yeah, he, he only plays that character, which is yeah. all he should do. Like you know, most actors don't like being typecasted. He should only be that. I mean, he was a a, a very like button-down version of that, but he played in the movie, he played that character again. It was, it was great. So good. All right, that's it for us. We will do a uh, pre-game show leading up to Monday night, probably Friday. I'm going to the UCLA game Saturday, and then Halloween party, and then football Sunday, and then Monday night game against the Lions. So we'll probably do it Friday, give you guys an extra day to enjoy it before we do that. Um, post-game show Monday night right after, and then probably... I know it's Halloween on Tuesday, but we if something big happens, we got to go live. Yeah, the trade, the trade deadline for us on the West Coast is one o'clock, so we got it. We'll if something's worth us pulling ourselves out of our families and work, then we'll then we'll definitely do it because that's trade deadline, and that's what we do. And we're uh, as devoted as you guys are, or as as we are to you. Also, the wheels are turning for a lot of things. The best way you can help is to become a member. Memberships are now available, three different levels. Click the join button right there. Just click it right now and just look. Just window shop, right? You're just, you know, you're you're walking by Gucci. You're just looking in the window. You don't have to go in. Just look. See if it entices you. If not, no big deal. Glad you're here. Um, and the first wave of equipment for the new studio just came in the mail this evening. Got some filters. Got a new lens. Got some stands. It's all starting to come together. So... Big things are happening. Glad you guys are along for the ride. It wouldn't have wouldn't have happened without you guys.
Until then, now go what if you're with me.